to all on our second edition of A Minister, A Priest, and a Rabbi Walk Into the Radio Station. However, due to the coronavirus, we are not in Franklin's radio station, but rather are in our separate residences or offices and are convening this conversation virtually. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci. Jay Horgan and I are co-hosts of this show. In fact, you may recognize Jay's voice from his radio show, Sports Buzz. Good morning, Pandora. How are you? Hanging in there, Jay. Doing well. Good, good. Uh, we're, we're just about ready to take a walk here with our three main stars of this radio show. We're fortunate to have them uh, willing to come back for a second go-round. That's Rabbi Tom, Reverend Kathy, and Reverend Eric. We'll let each of them say hello in Say hello, tell us uh, what's going on, anything special, and remind us, if you can, briefly what your, what your motivation is behind doing this, this radio show. I'm Kathy McAdams. I'm the priest at St. John's Episcopal Church and president of the Franklin Interfaith Council. Um, St. John's just wants to be part of Franklin, to be part of the community, and so I thought this was, um, you know, an opportunity to kind of get out there and be known to more people, and hopefully start some dialogue. Hi, I'm Tom Alpert. I'm the rabbi at Temple Etz Chaim in Franklin. Um, why do I want to be on this show? I've always wanted to be a radio star. Well, all right. So the alternative reason is I have a wonderful time talking with these great clergy colleagues and am interested in just sharing something about the what our synagogue is doing and what all people of faith are doing and thinking at this time and indeed in general. Yeah, I agree with my two colleagues. I'm Reverend Eric at First Universalist Society in Franklin. And, you know, I just think it's important for there to be spaces for dialogue about faith issues in communities. And, you know, there aren't a lot of ways in which that happens these days. We've lost some of the spaces where that's happened, particularly during the time of COVID. Um, and uh, so, you know, this is this is fun, it's, and it's uh, a way of keeping that conversation happening in the community. Sounds like the three of you are enjoying the experience. We just have one show completed so far, but it speaks to your interaction with the community and your interaction with your respective congregations. I'm wondering, did any of you receive any feedback on our first episode? Kathy? Most of the... Most of the uh, feedback that I got was very positive. There was one person who um, felt like there was too much interaction between politics and religion. And so I, I think that probably will come up later in the program. Boy, Kathy, that's a little bit of a preview, isn't it? Yeah, that's where we're going to go. And, <laughs> and that is complicated stuff. And, you know, I, I heard some of that, too. Um, although most of the feedback that uh, I heard was that um, the two of you uh, spoke really well, and I've got to raise my game a little bit. But uh, appreciating that it's happening and, you know, that, that, um, that some, a new tradition is, is happening uh, on the air in Franklin. Um. I guess the people who didn't like the politics weren't talking to me because um, all the feedback I got was very good. Everybody was having a great time and they really enjoyed uh, having everybody together. So I'm glad that we're continuing to do it. I think that's great. It sounds like it's something that you want to continue to do and you want to move forward. And we're still trying to find that balance between uh, different subjects as they arise. And, and I 
I look forward to hearing how that balance works its way through today's topics. As do I, Pandora. I think uh, it, it, the first show, everything I heard, Pandora, was was great, except um, for my family. But that's par for the course. They don't. Uh, now, just it, 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 with you folks, just real quickly, any how are things going in your ministries, uh, things like that? Rabbi Tom, I think I noticed the other day that um, – you just hit an, an anniversary or something, correct? As it happens, it was an anniversary. Uh, this is being recorded on July 2nd. July 1st is traditionally when, at least for form rabbis, all change. Everybody who's starting a new job finishes on June 30th and starts again on July 1st. So it's my anniversary date at the Temple at Zion, and I am starting now my ninth year with this congregation and in this community. And I, you know, um, I'm truly shocked that they haven't figured me out yet, but I'm glad to be <laughs> and look forward to it. It's a wonderful community. Tom, I want to jump in because um, when I saw that post on Facebook, I added my congratulations, and it had the result in, in connecting um, a friend of yours of 25 years who uh, I served with in Easton uh, in the early 2000s, uh, someone who's now in Los Angeles, but who was a dear colleague for um, five or six years in Easton. Uh, we reconnected through your announcement, and so I want to thank you for that as well. Oh, wonderful. I know exactly who you mean. That's fantastic. <laughs> Michelle is wonderful. <laughs> yes, she is indeed. Yeah, and we're doing okay. Uh, so, you know, at First Universalist, we're, um, uh, the building is closed, the ministry is alive, one of the kind of challenging moments uh, was how we were going to create an annual service uh, for the congregation. It's a um, it's a, a communion of flowers uh, to how to do that online. Uh, and um, some technical gurus in the congregation figured out a, a nice way of um, of how you could see people sharing flowers um, one to another uh, during the service. And um, you know, it, it wasn't the same. Uh, as when we're in person, but it was really deeply affecting. And um, so we're, we're still figuring our way through that. Is, is there, uh, you know, uh, Reverend Kathy and also Rabbi Tom, how about you folks? That's a, a great uh, Reverend Erica of how you guys are, different things you've had to adapt considering what's going on with the COVID. How about you, uh, Reverend Kathy and, and Rabbi Tom, anything Updating, you have to update on what your congregation's doing amid this COVID crisis. Yeah, yeah. So we've um, we've just been trying to you know stay engaged in ministry and uh, and with the community and with each other. Um, we've done a couple of book groups online. We participated, or a few of us participated in um, a discussion of white fragility. Uh, which the discussion was led by Joni McGill, who's part of the Franklin Area Against Racism. And that was really um, a fruitful discussion. Um, we took lunch to Common Cathedral, which is an outdoor church in Boston for people who are unhoused. Um, we've started a vegetable garden where we'll be donating the produce to the Franklin Food Pantry. Um, and we're hoping, we've, you know, we've been worshiping via Zoom and Facebook and we're really hoping that on July 12th, we'll be able to start worshiping outdoors, of course, with social distancing or physical distancing, I should say. 
and, um, and masks and, you know, all of the necessary precautions. And we'll continue to be on Zoom and Facebook for those who can't join us. Uh, but I think we're really looking forward to that opportunity to be together again. It's been, as, as you know, it's just been so hard to not be together physically. And um, we, you know, we just have to go through a little process with our diocese to get approved to do that. So I'm hoping that will happen soon. So summertime tends to be a sort of quieter time, but it's also the time that the, um, the congregation focuses really hard on getting ready for the high holy days in uh, September, which are in September this year. Uh, and uh, we've decided that we're going to not do any in-person services. So we're trying to figure out how to create the, the appropriate things that we can do that are new and creative for the, that will uh, work within the limits of uh, our medium and to use the medium for us. So we're, we're trying to learn about a lot of that. There's some great educational opportunities our people are participating in the summer. Uh, there's a program. I'm usually in uh, Israel studying for right. two weeks now. Well, I'm not this year, but the program is available for anybody. Uh, there's some things just for rabbis, but a fair amount of stuff is is for everyone. And so a lot of my congregants are taking part in that learning opportunity that usually I just get to do. Yeah, that that sounds really nice. nice. Um, yeah. And we're thinking for the holidays, we're trying to find some uh, some uh, in-person things, maybe a, a service where we can uh, have people come into a place and get a, a radio transmitter and stream to that. We're learning about the, working on that. So uh, we're, we're, you know, trying to... to do the things as, as Kathy says, it's not easy in this world and, and nothing is going to be the same as meeting in person. Uh, but we're working on it. It does. Uh, I think the way it, it, things are set up, Peter and I were talking about this, uh, the graduation and at the high school and the yeah. parade, it has opened some doors to do things that people would have never thought of or considered. Or yeah. whatever, and and I those kids the parade, then the way the graduation was put together by uh, Pete and his staff, it's something they'll never forget. Um, we already have kids that are graduating next year that want to know the details of their parade. You know, we may oh, open great. a can of wor- can of worms here, but uh, it 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 has. I think you know, Rabbi Tom, you said your your congregants have been able to kind of join along in the education that normally is just you going to Israel. You know, that's the good, uh, good that's come out of it. I don't know if good's the right word, but the interesting and, and maybe uplifting stuff that needs to be told. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, what's, what's the old saying? It's ill wind that blows no good. There's always something, there's always something we can get. And I, uh, yeah, our world is going to look very different after this. We don't know exactly what, but it sure as heck will not be what it was when we started. But I really like the way um, that this is sparking people's creativity. We're having to, you know, find new and, and maybe better ways of doing things. Um, just the, the way people are, you know, sharing music online and putting together videos with virtual choirs and I walk through the woods and I find painted rocks and just all kinds of fun, fun, um, ingenious kinds of ideas. I love it. I, I have to say, I agree with Kathy. When you sit in on different board meetings across the town, most of them are virtual. The attendance has increased 
more people are mm-hmm. able to participate uh, virtually that maybe for some reason they couldn't get to a meeting in person. And we are finding ways to share stories and music and art and uh, creative movement uh, across the uh, internet. Do you think that as we reach what, what we don't know what it's going to be yet, that new normal, will your congregations embrace some of these new pathways to serving the community together, expressing their religious faith, learning about their faith? I, I really hope so. And I hope that um, since, you know, all of our calendars were wiped clean at one point, that as we start to put things back on them, that we will not get over busy like we might have been before. I hope that we'll um, make sure to carve out time for family and for faith and um, all of those things that we've discovered are so important during this time. Yeah, I, I, I hope so too. I'm right with Reverend Kathy there. And um, I think um, there, it also changes issues around distance. And I, I'm sure that all of our congregations are experiencing this, that, you know, folks who moved a thousand miles away a couple of years ago or suddenly back in a part of the community or maybe there's a, a parent or a grandparent of a family that's local that is always curious about the, their grandchild's congregation and suddenly you know they're involved in you know who knows what uh, in the congregation's online life and um and that's that's really fun that's really healthy that that's really good and i think we we all will you know be um adapting to to support that um, over the long term. Um, I also want to note this is this is kind of uh, related to the um, to the to the topic that's in front of us. But um, Naomi Klein, the, um, the 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 climate activist and author who teaches at Rutgers, uh, just um, uh, offered a um, uh, a lecture to my denomination a, a week or so ago, and um, she was talking about how her hope for what's possible um, soon um, is related to the fact that as a country, we've discovered that the things that we could not even have imagined could happen are happening. And it, it, it you know, none, very little of it by choice, but at least the lesson is that the impossible, you know, really is possible. Uh, and um, so I'm holding on to that too. Yeah, I want to just pick up on that because I really, I was thinking about that in terms of, uh, I know we're going to be getting into talking about the questions of uh, social justice and where that all fits in, but I I honestly do think that one of the reasons that this moment has been so remarkable uh, in terms of social justice and protests isn't just what happened and isn't just a kind of people had fed up. There's also a sense, I think, that with this time, with everything being turned upside down, that all the kinds of things people said, oh, we can't do anything about that, they're just not saying that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it, it, I think you all three of them, I was going to ask you a question what this has done to kind of make a difference and different. I think all three of you answered it in explaining, uh, you know, what you're doing. I think that that point, Rabbi Tom, is so true. People are now maybe able to find a little bit more of their own voice that in the past they were either unwilling 
or unable to do. And for whatever reason, some of those people now we're, we're seeing everywhere, which, which is great. When uh, Jay and I were preparing for this show with Reverend Eric, Reverend Eric reminded us of the religious leaders who are currently taking significant positions in public life. And I think that's a lot of what you were referring to, Rabbi Tom. And by way of example, um, Reverend Eric referenced Reverend Barber and the Poor People's Campaign, as well as the religious response to Black Lives Matter. We were wondering if these movements are impacting the way that you lead your congregations, the way that your congregations function in the community. And if so, how, what does that look like? How is that impacting them? Could you speak to this just a little bit? I'll get us started, Pandora. And um, yeah, I think this is this is kind of a unique or becoming a unique moment in uh, in our country. And the the role of faith leaders in in public life is on the increase, and um, and that's inspiring to me, and and I think to to many of us. And um, you know, the um, the Poor People's Campaign as an extension of Dr. King's that last ministry of his that really shook the foundation. Uh, of our country um, is alive again today and um, Poor People's Campaign's June 20th event, um, mass mobilization, was really quite inspiring and making moral demands for how our country must be um, is the role of religion in public life. Um, so I'm, I think we're, we're all paying attention to that, engaging in that, and um, seeing how, that, how the tendrils of that are, uh, are spreading, you know, uh, widely. You know, I'm, uh, I was watching how the interfaith community in Tulsa um, over uh, Juneteenth uh, was really showing up uh, to educate and remind our country about um, the massacre that happened there. Uh, in 1921 yeah. and what that matters for us today, not just what it meant then, but what it means right now. And I think the whole um, taking down of statues movement is a part of this too. And when religious leaders are kind of interpreting uh, why that matters, what that means, I think they're doing really important work. In, in my own tradition, this is really starting to come home right now because um, uh, first Church in Boston, which is literally the first church in Boston, uh, is um, a UU congregation, and um, uh, they um, have had a statue, the governor, Governor John Winthrop, uh, in front of their uh, church for uh, a very long time, and just a few days ago announced that they would be taking it down. Um, and that's um, coming out of a, a, a growing recognition, understanding that uh, these symbols matter and that they, uh, when they represent um, uh, ethics of white supremacy, that there's a problem and uh, that religious leaders, religious communities are called to, to know that and to change um, the symbols that we use uh, when we can. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that and, and hopeful about um, how that continues. You know, this has been, a big moment within the um, progressive Jewish world, I'll say, the, the, the liberal Jewish world, the reform movement, the conservative movement, the reconstructionist movement, uh, um, have all gotten uh, involved in this. Um, 
leaders of all groups signed a, a statement saying that they agreed that Black Lives Matter and this and in our for our group of our denomination, the our religious action center in Washington has made that a priority. But even more, we've reminded those of uh, uh, us who Jews who are white that we are not the only Jews in America world. We sort of knew that about the world. But many of us keep forgetting it. We keep saying, you know, it's Jews, but then it's black people as though they're two separate groups and they aren't always two separate groups. Um, people of color represent anywhere between four and 11%, depending on whose study you believe of, uh, of the Jewish population of the United States. And so, um, one of the things that it is that, that we've been trying to work on um, uh, is reminding those of us who are white that uh, there are also plenty of our community who are uh, people of color and are dealing with the uh, issues relating both to being Jewish and to being, well, in particular, black. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been trying to educate our congregation on this as well. The, um, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, who is the head of the entire church, uh, Bishop Michael Curry, is African-American, and he took part in the June 20th event with the Poor People's Campaign. He was one of the main speakers for that. And he's an incredible example about how our faith and membership in a faith community shapes our values and our morals, um, things like justice and love and honesty, kindness and equality, that these are all religious values. And that if we're true to our faith, we want our society to reflect those values as well. So when we see that they're not being honored, for example, when laws do not protect all people, or when they're not enforced equally, that it's imperative that we speak out about that and act to change the law. It's part of living out our faith of having integrity um, to get out there and march, to rally, to write letters to our representatives, to tweet, to use any method to get our message across. And when we see that our elected leaders are not representing our values, we need to speak out about that too. Of course, our country values the separation of church and state, so religious leaders have to be careful that we don't promote a particular candidate, but we can and should advocate for issues that represent our values civil discourse, even voting in a democratic society are designed so that all people of many faiths or of no faith at all can come together to discuss the issues informed by our values and make compromises that serve the greater good. In that way, it's really not possible to separate our religious faith selves from our political selves. Amen, Kathy. I, I, think, I think that's the that's the call to all of us. You've really hit the nail on the head. And um, uh, Reverend Michael Curry is, is an inspiration to, to, to me as well. And I'm grateful to hear his name mentioned here. Uh, I think he and all of us would agree that um, when religion isn't asking people to change, uh, that it's dying, uh, that, it's, uh, that it's losing yep. its purpose, that, uh, that when religion says everything's fine, uh, you, can be, you can feel okay, um, that mm -hmm. it's lost its, um, its purpose. And uh, faith in public life is, is a part of that ministry of reminding us that we've got work to do to get better as individuals and as a, as a society. Uh, and sometimes that's disruptive. Uh, you know, a lot of times people 
um, re- reject uh, badly to the idea that um, uh, something needs to change, you know, because things are comfortable. Um, but um, uh, but religion asks more of us, and um, faith in public life uh, asks more of us as well. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you. We have religion. to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> now, who was it that said that? Maybe that name came up earlier, too. <laughs> It's, my recollection is we're not completely sure who said it first, but a lot of people claim to have said it. It's a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, when you think about the history of this country, um, on all the important issues of moral choice, there has been a religious tinge. Religion can be used for all kinds of reasons on all kinds of sides of issues, but we would not have ultimately abolished slavery had it not been for religion and the important role that that played. Um, you read any of Frederick Douglass's speeches and you can see how important he takes his version, his take on religion and how crucial that is. Um, you know, it is no surprise that the, the, the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s came out of the churches. Um, there is an imperative. And so that's one part. The other thing I want to say is, uh, in terms of values, yeah, it, whenever anyone says to me something like, oh, Rabbi, you're being political. And I respond <laughs> two things. First of all, listen, I love politics. I'm a politics junkie. I, you know, have no, I I can do trivia contests with the best of them, but that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because in our tradition, you know, it's the Torah, the Bible, whatever you want to call the different words that we have uh, a command uh, that, that informs our values. They're not just something that comes that I made up one day. This is there. It is part of what we're doing. And that's what we are doing. My job is to bring those concepts into the world as best I can. And so that's, if I didn't do that, I don't know how I could have a rap in it at all. And you do that very well, Tom. Uh, some of us have a little more work to do in doing that well. I count myself among those. One of the things that I try to do is to, is to um, channel my uh, channel humility. Um, I, I know that uh, I'm not in a position to, to shame anyone except for myself. Uh, you know, I, I know that my religion has been a part of the white supremacy culture as much as a, um, an opponent of it over our country's history. And um, when I see um, uh, areas that uh, need attention and, and shift, um, I have a role. Uh, but um, but not one that gets anywhere beyond um, humility. And so, you know, finding that kind of that pastoral approach with folks who um, react really badly to ideas that's, that's something they're very comfortable with needs to change is the space that, um, that I find myself in mostly uh, as a leader, um, as a follower, uh, you'll find me um, running to the uh, ramparts with everybody else. But uh, when I'm in leadership, really trying to channel that um, that humility, that 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 pastoral approach, which um, I think can sometimes um, help to open people's eyes to 
um, new ways of um, of being and and um, and shifting. I wanted to pick up on something that both of you talked about, which is um, religion has not always been used for social justice. That um, the Bible and at least Christianity, I know, was you know used to keep slavery uh, in to, to keep it in place. And, um, that's something I think we have to repent of, but something that just baffles my mind is how people of good faith and people of intellect, um, you know, people who are being very thoughtful and prayerful can come to such different conclusions. And I think we're seeing a lot of that in our, in our national dialogue today. And I, I don't really know how to solve that other than that we need to figure out how to speak the same language to each other. It, I think it's interesting, uh, Reverend Kathy, you, you brought that up. We were, when Pandora and I first got on today, we were talking a little bit about that, how it's become. It, it is almost, I used to totally love getting involved in politics, following following it, discussing it. And now the whole atmosphere around being able to do that and wanting to do that has changed. It is because you're going to have a group that are going to agree with you. And then the group that doesn't agree with you isn't going to just disagree with you. They're going to tear you down and and Mm -hmm. say things. And that I think is, is something that, has to be fixed before the rest of it can be fixed. If we're not going to treat people with at least a little bit of dignity, even if they disagree with us, it, it, it is a nightmare, I think, just from a personal point of view. Well, I think you're right about that, Jay. And, and it, it, it points to having sort of uh, um, a variety of approaches. So, you know, there's a, there's a way in which fostering a... Um, uh, a, a communication uh, between all people in a community is really important for, for that to be um, comfortable and respectful and open. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't also other directions where you take a position and uh, you identify something that's evil and something that's wrong. Um, I, I think that um, that religion in public life can be mature enough to walk and chew gum at the same time. And uh, to be able to take that more uh, pastoral, conversational approach with folks that are open to it, uh, and to uh, to know here is where I, I stand firmly. Um, now there will oh, I th- I think it's the case that um, there will always be people who really aren't interested in even having a civil dialogue with each other because the um, the the openness to uh, to change just isn't there. Uh, uh, there's sort yeah. of a, an unwillingness to consider um, how things look through another person's eyes. Um, and I, I, I don't expect that, um, that that's going to change anytime soon. Um, but um, the vast majority of people are, uh, and, and regardless of what their, um, their viewpoint is. And that's where um, the, um, I think, attention is really well spent. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, what both uh, Reverend Eric and Reverend Kathy say. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, what I want to throw in is something I learned uh, just yesterday, actually, at this uh, 
of this program I was talking about, the teacher made an interesting point, said that, um, look, we have this tendency to want to, to, to fall into teams and want to support the people whose side we're on in some ways more than their ideas. And that's, uh-huh. I think, a very important uh, thought for us to be looking at. So it's really two parts. One, to be aware, to look past, I need to go on this thing because my team is there and rather really look at the issue and make it your, make our own determinations and have the strength of that and, and see how it, in religious terms, see how it coheres or doesn't cohere with what our tradition is teaching. Um, and the second part too is to see to get past these screens and see the individuals in our congregation and see if they don't like what I've said, you know, what is it that we can, where can we find common ground? Um, You know, are there things we can work together on while agreeing to disagree on some things? Um, And can we try to, to get past the, why are you ever saying anything about this? And why don't you understand how right I am? to move to a different place. Well, I, uh, I, I thank all of you for, for just very pointed and understanding from your angles what's going on with all of this in, in terms of it all being kind of intertwined. I, I think we do try to separate it, but I don't think you can. Um, as much as you may want to, I, I don't think you can. Is, is there anything else you guys wanted to address specifically on? Um, well, uh, we're going to, as we get ready here to finish up, is there a reflection or a prayer or something that uh, you folks or Reverend Kathy, I know is going to handle this, would like to share with our listeners? Yes, yes I have a prayer for us. Let us pray. Loving God, we pray for our houses of worship, our workplaces, our schools, and our communities, especially the town of Franklin. We ask for your help in being a light in every place you've given us to walk. Give us care and wisdom as we live and work with one another. Help us to look to another's needs before our own and to always be ready to serve those around us by the power of your love within us. Even in every dark and broken place, for the times we feel like we're barely making it through, give us your joy, your grace, and the powerful presence of your peace. Amen. 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 That's great. Thank you very much, Reverend Kathy. Uh, Pandora and myself want, want to thank Reverend Eric, Reverend Kathy, and Rabbi Tom for virtually walking into our radio station today, uh, allowing us to do this program. Uh, Without them, uh, this wouldn't be possible. It would just be Pandora and I talking, and no one's going to listen to that. So thank you so much. We thank Pete Fasciano and Franklin Radio for making this show possible. Uh, And we thank all of you for joining us and listening today. I wanted actually to thank the, the panel because you took a topic and you addressed it at the national platform level where we look at these issues through the lens of social justice, through climate justice, uh, that 
that are complicated and have been with us for decades, if not centuries. And you also brought them down on a personal scale and shared them with us through the work that your congregations are doing in, in our town. And I think there were a lot of pieces that we could extract for them, from that. I was excited to hear about the book talk uh, facilitated by Joni McGee and the work that she's doing in Franklin, uh, the use of the internet, the, the ceremony of sharing of the flowers, and, and then looking at how you are looking to the high holy days as respectfully as possible, finding a different platform to still embrace those solemn times. And you, you, you bring it, all three of you brought it home for us, and there was such a nice takeaway and many learning moments that I think that our radio audience will uh, very much appreciate. I thank you so much. Love to all thank of you. you. Thank so much. Great to be with you today. Thank you. Everybody, please be safe and stand up for your fellow Franklinites. Have a great weekend and we'll get together soon.